is the Inside Edge. Your home for Blue Jackets news and conversation. Here's Bob McGalligan and Jody Shelley. Welcome to the Inside Edge here on 97.1. The fan, the Blue Jackets, hopefully, hopefully, fingers crossed, coming out of the COVID pause tomorrow night when they take on the Nashville Predators at Nationwide Arena at 7 o'clock. Jody, I say hopefully because nobody thought we would be in this for as long as we are. We did the show last week, and, and when we talked about it, on the schedule were the Toronto Maple Leafs on December the 27th. Didn't happen. Chicago on Tuesday, the 28th, this past Tuesday, didn't happen. And, uh, and then the Blue Jackets yesterday actually got another game canceled, a January 10th game in Montreal. Now, that's a little bit different reasoning. But um, but here we are. The number is six postponed games, and everybody's chomping at the bit to get back at it, hopefully tomorrow night against Nashville and and especially the players, I'm sure, because uh, the guys that were on the COVID protocol are basically coming off now. They're returning to practice, uh, getting ready to play once again, with the exception of Oliver Bjorkstrand, who just got put on the other day. But um, all in all, you know, you you played in this league. You were an athlete. What, what's it like when you have these long stretches in, you know, when, when you had them, you knew when they were going to be over. I mean, these guys have been sitting and waiting in limbo here for the last 10, 11 days. Yeah, I think that this group, though, has – learned a lot in the last two years and how to adjust. I mean, these guys were in a bubble in Toronto together with other teams living a life that was just probably like robots, you know, rink hotel, uh, no interactions. And then they go to last year where they played against the same eight teams, seven teams over and over. And it was travel hotel travel and, and back to the rink. And so now I, I would expect that they came into this season hoping for perfect season, but understanding that they're going to have to adapt at some point, you know, the Olympic break looks like a blessing uh, with that three weeks off. Uh, the NHL now has time to, to move some things around and it's hard as an athlete. I mean, you get, you know, some guys on this team, especially you look at the blue jackets, you're just getting going for some of these players. You know, you're just getting healthy or you're, you're just finding the line you want to play with or whatever it is personally. And now there's a stop and other guys are getting healthy and, and, you know, there's a lot of moving parts. So as an individual, I remember two days off, you felt terrible. I mean, you, you just felt absolutely terrible with two days getting on the ice and trying to get going 10 days off. Uh, it's a long time, but everyone's having to deal with it. And, um, you know, it's, uh, it, it's been an interesting time. And I, I, you know, to see guys come back and hear the comments from Roslevic and peak, um, it's encouraging to hear how positive and, and how, you know, kind of how they went through it. Uh, they're happy to be back with the team and they're moving on. So uh, this is all, you see a lot of, I hear what you say, Bob, I think there's a lot of positivity in there is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Uh, and ironically, that's the one thing you don't want to be is positive. <laughs> you want to be negative right now. <laughs> uh, but, you know, if, if you look back at it, remember when we came back from Edmonton and then uh, that, day after returning from the trip, you know, Boone Jenner winds up on the list and Jack Roslovic winds up on the list. And all of a sudden you're saying, man, you might have to play a game without two centermen and where are you going to be with that? And, and then they didn't play at all. So you talk about a blessing for those guys, especially they thought they were going to have to miss games. Maybe they're going to have to miss four games. And now as it turns out, they're not going to have to miss any games. They'll be able to come back and play. Uh, the Bjorkstrand thing stinks. There's no question about it uh, yeah. with him just uh, testing positive. The other day, um, that's a guy you don't want to have out of your lineup. But, you know, the, the Nashville Predators, 
they just put three guys on their list the other day. Roman Yossi was on it. Colton Sissons was on it. So, uh, as you said, everybody's going through it. Every team is potentially going to be without at least one guy that they really want to have in their lineup. Yeah, I mean, that's that's just how it's, it's looking right now. And when you look at that game last night, uh, Tampa played Montreal, and there were about – I think there was oh, almost 10 guys – with less than 50 games NHL experience, two guys making their NHL debut for Montreal. Then you had some guys, I mean, Vasilevsky's not in net, so that's a different team. Uh, but it was a heck of a game. And, you know, I like that. I know there's a lot of work, a lot of talk of uh, integrity of competition and canceling games for that. But you know what, Bob, we were in the minors and you waited for your opportunity. And I mean, there's something special in the locker room, especially in an 82 game season where say you play three games with call up players who are playing together and they're making their debut. And, you know, it's because of a, a pandemic situation. I found that exciting to watch those Montreal Canadiens last night, almost beat the Tampa Bay lightning uh, lightning gets point back who gets two goals in the first period, which is okay. I mean, there, there's a guy who's head and shoulders above, national hockey league players let alone call-up players and you know he exploited some defensemen there but, but it makes it interesting you know it, it makes you it makes you see these guys and, and understand uh how hard they're working down there and they get their chance to to play against the montreal canadians or the tampa bay lightning so i don't know i like the taxi squad thing i think the blue jackets have done a uh, they they've got some depth so i think they'll be fine uh but, and as a player, you, when you're out, you don't want to see someone come in and take your job. It's like any position, I guess. You don't want anyone to come in and work for you. Uh, the Wally Pip situation in baseball where he lost his job due to, or he got his job due to a call-up. And, you know, that, that's going to happen. So uh, I think the league's handling it well. And, and I know I got a little bit off track there, but I think that, uh, you know, I enjoyed that last night. And if the Blue Jackets have to go with, with players they've called up, hey, great opportunity for them, more excitement uh, for the game. Yeah, you didn't get off track. I, I think you're dead on. I, look, when it, it's in focus now because of the COVID situation where you have to have several players taken out of your lineup. The fact of the matter is you could go through a season where – look at the Blue Jackets. A couple of seasons ago, uh, everybody was hurt, right? Guys were coming up from mm -hmm. Cleveland left and right. So, so a lot of people say about, well, you're paying top dollar for a ticket and then you're seeing American Hockey League players instead of National Hockey League players that could happen on any given night in this league, quite frankly, it really yes. could. Yeah. Um, and again, what was that three years ago when, you know, this team wound up in the playoffs, even though everybody was hurt throughout the entire season. That's a great point. So you never, you never know what you're going to get, but the taxi squad thing, I, I'm glad they revisited it. I think that, you know, in the blue jackets case, they have it a little bit easier. Cleveland's only two hours away. Uh, of course, if you're on the road, that, that changes it. But when you're talking about, especially in this situation where you've got, you want to get players in, um, you got to put them on commercial flights if you're going to put them somewhere, right? A lot of commercial flights last weekend got canceled, delayed. You, you don't know where that's going oh, to go. Yeah. So you might as well have a couple of guys that are available right away to be able to call up. Josh Dunn comes up for the Blue Jackets and Tyler Secura have come here. Again, the taxi squad rules. You're making your American Hockey League salary, but you're practicing with the National Hockey League club. Um, it stinks for Cleveland. It really does. Cause you know, you're going to lose top players. They're going to be the ones that, that go, but on the same token for those two guys, Jody, and they're two different guys, Josh Dunn made his NHL debut last year and just coming out of college. And then you've got Sakura, who's a 29 year old guy who's getting a chance to come up here and be around the group and 
crossing his fingers, hoping he gets in the lineup. So um, it's good for those guys just to be around this in practice. And, you know, whether they play here, or they don't play here. When they go back, they're going to have a wealth of experience. Yeah. I mean, it's just deal with it. Right. Yeah. And, and I have to clear up the Wally Pip thing. Wally Pip lost his job to Lou Gehrig. I've yeah. mentioned that earlier. Lou Gehrig only played thousands of games. One after. of the greatest first <laughs> basemen of all time. So anyways, uh, yeah. Um, but you're right. And, and, you know, I like how sensitive you are to the American hockey league team. You mentioned that it, it sucks for Cleveland, but you know what? You remember being there too, Bob, where, you know, you, you didn't like that you were in the playoff race or whatever situation we were in, in the minors and you see these guys go up, but on game day, it was a rallying point because you had guys in the locker room from the East coast hockey league or college, wherever they could find players. And you're like, Hey, this is kind of fun. This is another, uh, it's a curveball, but it's an adventure. And, and that's part of the professional sports, I think. And then, you know, every league is dealing with it in some way. Uh, but for the national hockey league to have, that pedigree of players sitting in a league just below them and some of them in their same cities, uh, it makes total sense. And that's a test of your organization. And, and, uh, you know, you you think of some of the players like foodie down there. I mean, he wants to get up here and play. Uh, So maybe, and as an athlete in the American hockey league, you're, you know, you're, you're waiting for that call to happen. And if it happens in this situation, whatever it is, you just want to wear the NHL jerseys. So, uh, I don't, I think you go up to a certain number of players, but even if it's 10 guys, uh, I think there's some, uh, there's some fun in that. Yeah, you're right. I, I was in, I was in Syracuse with a team that won 15 in a row at the end of the season and guys were getting called up to Columbus left and right. And there were, as you mentioned, college players coming in on amateur tryouts guys. I never saw, I saw them for two weeks and I never saw them again the rest of my life, but they were part of a team that just kept rolling the entire time. So. Yeah. You're right. It, it, it can put energy in a room as well. There's no question. And oh, one more thing. I am sensitive, but I'm not nearly as sensitive as I used to be because no, you know, I noticed when, that when, when you're in the American hockey league and you're working with a team, you know, when there's an injury, you're going to lose your best. One of your best players is gone. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had my buddy, Jim Rosenhouse. He does uh, radio for the uh, Cleveland. I almost said the Indians, but they're the guardians now. So I got to get that right. But uh he told me when he first went up and he went up uh, like a year before I came to Columbus, he said, you know, one of the biggest differences is when you're in the minor leagues and somebody gets hurt in the big leagues, you know, you're going to lose one of your best players, but when you're in the big leagues, you know, you're going to get the best player from the minor yeah. leagues at that time. <laughs> so it really That's changes, true. changes the perspective of it. No doubt about it. So the right. taxi squad is back in full effect here. The blue jackets have two guys that have come up and are practicing right now. And again, hoping to get back on the ice tomorrow night against the Nashville Predators. Coming up next, we're going to talk with a guy that was red hot going into the break. I would say the last month, this guy has been on it. No matter what line he's been playing on, no matter what he's been asked to do, Alexander Texier has been leading the Blue Jackets on the ice. And coming up next, he will talk with us as the Inside Edge continues on 97.1, the fan. Welcome back to the Inside Edge. The Blue Jackets hopefully returning to play tomorrow night at home against the Nashville Predators. I'm Bob McElligot with Jody Shelley, and joining us right now is Blue Jackets forward Alexander Texier. Alexander, you were one of the hottest Blue Jackets before this COVID break came upon us here in the last couple of weeks. Um, what, what is it about your game? Where, where did you start to feel comfortable and start to catch fire here in the last few weeks uh, leading up to Christmas? I think playing with uh, Robbie and girls, uh, I, I actually learned a lot from that. Uh, that was that was a that was a good thing to play with them. 
you know, they, they, they work hard, nothing fancy. And uh, when my game, first first uh, couple of games of the season was pretty bad. And I knew it, like I know it and I, I'm honest, but uh, I'm, I was thinking too much. And then I, I went back with girls and Robbie and in, you know, off the ice and on the ice, I just relaxed, you know, you know, nothing crazy. And I, I, I felt, I felt really good. And it just, uh, you know, when you play one good game, then you have confidence, then you just keep going, keep going. And, you know, you, you keep scoring, uh, keep playing good. And that just, that's just my game. And uh, I just have to keep going. We had a pretty long break right now, but uh, you know, it was it was good. Uh, I learned a lot about my game, and uh, when I watched the the video uh, about my shift, and I I'm like, yeah, that's just my game. You know, simple. And I think I have so much so much more more to learn about my game, but uh, it, it's coming. You know, I'm still young, and I have to learn. And uh, but it's it's getting better. Yeah. In all fairness, though, you were thinking a lot at the beginning of the year because you were given a lot of responsibility. You started the season as the centerman on the top line and, you know, on a team that was, you had a totally different look to it this year and trying to figure out who's who and what's what and what you're going to be as a team, all of that stuff. I can see how it's very easy to overthink it and going from all of that responsibility, playing in the middle of the ice, playing on the top line to getting on the wing. And as you said, you're playing with two guys that they just go straight. And all you got to do is work and you got to skate and you have to be defensively responsible. Did that relieve a lot of pressure from you just to move to the wing and play that way? Uh, yeah, of course. Uh, like I said, you know, some games you're going to play maybe 10, 12 minutes. But, you know, uh, I was like before, before every game, I was like, even if I play eight, 12 or 16, no, I just want to get off the ice and say, like, I put everything. So every shift we try to uh, we try to do something defensively or offensively. And I think it just helped my game. You know, don't think too much. Don't think, you know, you're going to play 18 or, you know, when you're young and you play 10, 10 minutes, you, you know, you, you're mad a little bit because you want to play more than you don't play. You, you know, it's how it, it, it's just how it is when you're young, you know, you want to play, but, when you don't when you when you think too much, uh, it's not working for sure. I mean, especially with me, when I think too much, like where I'm gonna play with who, uh, you know, how many minutes, and you know, if I'm gonna be on the PP or on the PK, and it's it's not a good it's not a good sign. You know, you just have to go out there. If you play eight, if you if the coaches give you eight minutes, you have to to play eight, you know, pretty good minutes, and then maybe the next game you can have more. It's just how it is. And when I was in Finland, I, I learned that a lot. Uh, you know, start on the fourth line. Then if you play good, you're going to go up. But it was kind of on the other way. You know, I started first line and then I, I went back like fourth line. And uh, yeah, it just, uh, I was happy. I was happy about my game and I learned a lot, but I have so much more to learn, I think, because I don't think I'm, I'm at the top of my game right now. I'm still still, still young, like I say, and uh, I want to be better, yeah. The top of your game, is that at center ice or on wing? Uh, you know, it's it's hard to say. I feel good on the wing, to be honest. Uh, 
but you know in this situation with the covid and stuff uh you know you, you, you i'm not i'm not gonna decide where i'm gonna play so if you put me at center i will play at center but i felt really good at wing yeah no i asked that because you look really good on wing and I know you want to play center and sometimes athletes have this image of, okay, I have to, you always want to go up. You always want to move up more power play, more penalty kill, whatever it is. Uh, yeah. But for you, uh, you're, you're doing a great job on the fourth line. And, and I, I talked to you about Corrali and his impact. Uh, did, what was his discussion with you when you got on the fourth line? Uh, I mean, nothing special, but I think on the ice, is taking care of uh, the defensive side. So on the face-off, it just uh, it just tell me what to do, and he's taking care about the rest. And then I'm just thinking, you know, doing my job and then play offense, use my speed. So that was pretty easy. We not, you, you know we we didn't talk too much about you know we're gonna do that play or just come behind. You know, it, it was simple. You know, like. I would face off in D zone, get out of the, Z, the D zone, and then play offense and have fun. And he's pretty good at that, you know, defensively on the face off. It's always good to start with the puck. So, you know, center is actually, you know, you, you don't see that, but, you know, one face off and you start with the puck can change, you know, everything. And I think that, you know, defensively is he's, he's doing a lot of, lot of good job, you know. He might, might not have some you know, sometimes some, some goals or some assists, but he's doing the job down low and then op open up some, some stuff for us. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the important part, Alex, is because he takes so much pride in the defensive zone. And then if you have that focus, it's like, Oh, okay, I'll just work on this. And then you clear everything out. And I think as an athlete, uh, that's really helped you. And I think what you're saying is being a winger is way easier than being a centerman because all the responsibility down low. Yeah, I think so too. And, uh, <laughs> you know, but when you play with good center, like he's taking so, so much pride to play defense that you, you get into that, you know, like you don't think about that, but he's, he's trying to be like perfect. So you want to be perfect for him too. And then your game is getting better from that. And I think it's, it's good. Because uh, to be honest, like two years ago, I didn't, I didn't play defense at all. Like I didn't know how to play defense. And uh, and I learned when I was in Finland that you have to play defense if you want to play. And uh, I think when you play with curls, for example, and I think Boone is the same too. Like he's taking like so much pride to play defense and help the team. It just helped the winger to get to get better. And then, you know, you have like fresh like to, to play offense and use your speed and have fun, you know. So it's, it's good, yeah. We're talking with Alexander Texier of the Blue Jackets. And, you know, when you're talking about Sean Corrali and just watching the way he carries himself, the way he plays the center position, if you wind up back in the middle and playing a little bit of center or a lot of center, who the heck knows uh, the way it goes on here. But have you been able to learn from him just by watching? Have you talked with him about uh, face-offs at all? As you said, he's really good at it, especially in the defensive zone. Uh, have you picked his brain on playing that position much? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's obviously he's good at face up, but there's some small details you, you can only watch on, on the video that replay, like he's always like, 
you know, uh, down in the middle, low as an option. If you watch like all the defensive side of his game, he's always like in good position. There's, I mean, you're not going to see it. It's nothing crazy, but he always get the puck in the middle, then he's going to give it to us. Or he's always like uh, talking to us when we back check to the D zone. He always taking care of that, like go high or I'm low, you know? So he helped me a lot. And I think I'm, if I play center, I'm going to try to do the same, you know? And uh, yeah, I mean, I learned a lot from him. You know, uh, even off the ice, like in the locker room and stuff, like he's he's tried to be positive. And you know, we some some games we we play like bad, like the first period, and then you know we're honest. Like I, sometimes I talk to him, and I was like, we're really bad right now. And then he, he said like, yeah, let's play simple and let's go, let's go north, let's play fast. And then then after that, the next period, like we we're flying. So it just maybe sometimes you know about like wake up call a little bit, but he's, he can do that. So it's, it's good. Yeah. It's funny when you say that you didn't know how to play defense and you had to learn to play defense. And the reason I say it's funny is because now you're really one of the better penalty killers on this team and, and you're out there in the shorthanded situations. But what I like the most about your penalty killing is you don't play like you only have three other teammates out there. You get the puck on your stick, you're gone. And you're going to take it to the net. You're going to try to score. And um, Mark Stone of the Vegas Golden Knights knows that very well because you undressed him and scored a nice goal there uh, doing just that. Um, what is it about penalty killing that excites you? Because you just look like you are having so much fun doing that job. Yeah, I, I think uh, I, didn't, I, I didn't play PK at all in my career, like when I was young. And I was not this kind of guy. Like even national team last summer, I, did, I didn't play. And uh, it's so fun, like, you know, the, like the PP, they don't expect you to go. So when you go, like, you have some chances if you're fresh, but at, at the same same time, you have to be smart. Like, you cannot go, like, full in because you're going to, you know, they're going to they're gonna score after that. If you go, like, two and full speed and then you're tired and then their top guys are on the ice. So it's... Uh, you have to be smart, but when you're fresh, just go. I mean, I talked a little bit with Jake about that, and he said, like, for for a PP guy, when the the PK just, you know, keep rolling and go, it's pretty hard because you know how it is. Like, they don't want to go back. They don't want to go back all the way down in D zone, you know. So sometimes they cheat a little bit, but when you're smart and when you're fresh, you, you just have to go. And I take a lot of pride in doing that. Like, you know, sometimes you have to block some shot, but – yeah, I just go. You know, I don't think too much. I just, I just want to go when I feel feel fresh. And then, uh, yeah, I felt really good doing that. Yeah. And to go back to that play in Vegas, I, I think kind of like the point that you're making, and, and Jake Voracek to talk to him about it is good because a lot of times he winds up on the point on the power play. He's out there at the blue line. So if you get the puck and you start the other way, and it's a forward that you're going one on one with instead of a defenseman, do you feel like that's a that's a great advantage for you. you. You've got a better chance of maybe getting him to make a mistake than a defenseman to make a mistake, right? Oh yeah, yeah. And I think when you when you're doing that, they're they're getting really uh, frustrated. You know, like they don't they don't want to go back. And when they play like 30, 45 seconds in your zone, and then no shot on that, so you know they're they're starting they're starting getting like frustrated. And then 
you know, you're still fresh as a PK, then you know, like when the puck is out, you, you're going to go, then they don't expect that. Like usually they expect you to change then new PK guy on the ice. So, you know, uh, it's when it's a forward that when it, when it's a forward and when you're fresh, you just, you, you know, you, you know, it's not a demon. So you, you have to go if you're fresh. So it's, it's, it's fun. You have to read sometime, but, uh, and be smart, like I say, but, uh, it's, it's fun. Yeah. I, I, I love doing that. Yeah. Attack that guy, make him go backwards, right? Those defensemen are used to skating backwards all the time, but you guys as forwards, you do it when you have to, you don't want to play it like a defenseman, right? Oh no, you, you don't want to play as a defenseman, especially when you have speed and then you're a little bit tired, you know, backward. That's not, <laughs> we're not really good at that. Like as a, as a demon, but uh, it's uh, yeah. We are talking with Blue Jackets forward Alexander Texier. Our conversation continues right after this on the Inside Edge on 97.1 The Fan. Welcome back to the Inside Edge. The Blue Jackets hoping to get back on the ice tomorrow night at home against the Nashville Predators. Right now, we're joined by Blue Jackets forward Alexander Texier. Hey, Alex, uh, as a 17-year-old, you were still in Grenoble, France. I'm wondering, how do you become such a great skater? Because on the penalty kill, it's really evident. You like the hard work, your strong strides. I mean, you know, some kids play outdoor hockey uh, on ice. Some guys rollerblade. But you're a really good skater. Is there, is there an instructor, or or how did you get so such a to be such a strong skater? Uh, when I was in uh, when I moved to uh, to Finland, that was probably the best uh, decision for my career. And you know, uh, we had uh, so many young young good NHL prospect there in, in Finland. We have a lot of skating. Uh, we we always go on the ice like 30 minutes before do some skating with the young guys. We were like four or five. Um, there is some outdoor ring everywhere in Finland. So with the young guys, we were maybe after dinner, it was eight, eight thirty, And then we, we, we go there with the four, like uh, Econ and Luostarin and they all play in NHL right now. We have the same, same age. We went there, uh, we, we bring one goalie and then we just, you know, shot, shooting some pucks and then doing some skating. It's, it, it was it was fun. It was so much different. Like, it's all about hockey over there. You wake up in the morning, you go out the rink, go on the ice 30 minutes early than, than everybody with the young guys practicing. At the end of the practice, you're doing some skills, uh, practice, uh, skills drills. Then at the end of the day, you're going outdoor. It's, it's just all about hockey. And I learned, I learned a lot. I remember when I went to the locker room first, uh, Sammy Kapanen was the head coach and he told me like, like if you want to play in NHL there's two things like you have to speak English first and I didn't speak English so I was like oh okay that's hard and you have to deserve to play so then you're like wow I'm 17 I don't speak English and then you know there is like probably like you know I don't know 40 50 players like really good you know and then you have to you, you have to deserve to play. Like wow, in France I was playing first line, first PK, first PP, like everywhere. But you know, it was not a good hockey. You know, it, it's not it's not a good hockey. But when I moved to Finland, I learned how to skate. I learned how to play defense, get stronger, just the pro life. And with Sami Kapanen, uh, he was really really good with me. Like yeah, I still 
he still texted me sometimes and it was it was good it just helped me with my english how to be a pro how to eat how to you know i did everything in film my driving license uh live by myself you know and you just grow from that and uh yeah that was that was good wow i i mean so what why did you make that decision what what was it about finland uh, my agent is from Finland, and then when I was drafted uh, by Columbus, Yarmo is from uh, is Kopio. from Kopio too. So it's the same team he played there. Uh, my agent is from there. We had probably uh, five or six NHL prospect there. So he was like, "You you should go there," uh, and I was like, "Yeah." And then I wasn't ready at seventeen to to move by myself. Then I asked my mom if she can come with me and she was like yeah I, I will come with you so we she came over with my dog for one year then I don't have to take care of the food and uh, I didn't have my driving license at that point so she she uh, just drove me every time to the game to the practice and then it just helped me a lot and then my second year I was uh, I remember the coach was Okay, so now you should try to live by yourself. And then I told my mom, like, okay, mom, it's it's good right now. I can I can try to to live by myself. And then she was like, okay. So she went back, and after that, it was it was all good, you know. And uh, you learn so much about 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 yourself, about how to how to cook, how to to prepare for the game, how to, you know. And uh, I'm pretty thankful for with for my mom because. She stopped working for that and just doing absolutely like nothing in Finland because, you know, uh, she was just taking care of me. And then there's nothing I, to do in Finland except play. No, hockey. it's it's cold and <laughs> you know it's, it's a pretty small city, but it's it's just all about hockey, nothing else. Like there's some shopping, but nothing crazy. Uh, there is no like night nightclub like in Helsinki or it's just hockey, hockey, all hockey. Right. And it was good, yeah. I wanted to ask you, because, Bob, I don't know if you know this, but when you're on the bus in Finland, if you put on the movie Dumb and Dumber, it's all in English, and all the Finns read the subtitles. So they understand English, but they read the subtitles. So how did you learn English, Alex? Was it movies? Was it locker room? Was it everything? Uh, I think it's it's everything, but it's more in the locker room uh, with the guys. Uh, and I'm still learning. Like, sometimes I'm like, Oh, what are you talking about? Like I, I don't know, but I'm still, you know, the next day you, 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 you learn from that. But I, I think it's just in the locker room because when the coaches ask me like the first day, how are you? I didn't know what that means. So I was like, wow, uh, it's gonna be tough. And Finnish guy, you know how Finnish guy are like, French guy, come over like to, uh, to Finland, like, you know, they're like, who's that guy? And then. <laughs> They're pretty, they're pretty, uh, feels like Finnish guys are pretty, like you have to play good, show you can play hockey, and then they're going to come at you. So it, it took like probably like two or three months to get in the team. And, you know, when you play good, they start being like, oh, okay, you can play hockey. Because, you know, when you're from France, then they're like, who's that guy? And then yeah. you have to show, you have to work and play good. And then, they're gonna start coming at you and then talk a little bit. And then from that, I learned English from that in the locker room and uh, outside when you go like 
coffee or dinner, you pick some word, you know, during the day and then the next day you try to, to use it the next day. And sometimes you're gonna make mistakes, sometimes they're not gonna understand you, but it's, you know, just getting better from that. But I never took like English classes or something. No, no. your English is very good. And, and I wanna say you're only 22 years old and that was at 17. So you had to earn their respect and that's not easy to do. That's intimidating. So good for you. And that's, uh, you must look back at that and think, wow, that's really helped me here to get where I'm at in the NHL. Yeah, yeah, it's, it was, a, it was, a, I was pretty, pretty shy, you know, at 17. And uh, I never played at that level too. I was from French League, so it's it's different, and uh, it was it was everything new. But the good thing that my mom was at my place, so after practice, when you felt bad or you know, you just come at home, and then you know you just, you just have to relax and then feel good about yourself. Yeah. Alexander, you talked about coming from France. You, you've got to earn that respect because you know who's this guy coming from France. Not a lot of NHL players come out of France, but there are some. Who did you look up to? Like when you were growing up and you fall in love with the game, uh, what players did you look up to? And uh, what other guys do you talk to now? Uh, any other players from France that you talk to and, and are, are friends with now? Uh, yeah, I talk a little bit with uh, Belmar in, the, in Tampa. And then Roussel is in uh, Arizona. So I talk a lot with Belmar, more than Belmar than, than, uh, than Roussel. And uh, we played together in national team too uh, last summer. So, the, but when I grew up, I was looking at probably um, Patrick Kane. You know, I didn't watch NHL a lot back home, and that was too far away. Like that, that was a dream, but that was too far away. You don't think about that when it's too far away. And then, uh, yeah, Belmore is 36 years old. He came in the league at 20, 20. 28 so pretty late and uh he helped me a lot when i have tough time i call him and you know you know how it is you know how it works so he, he helped me a lot but growing up i was watching probably uh, the top guy crosby nothing 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 crazy yeah i know uh cristobal you had in in chicago when he won the cup in chicago he bring the cup in my hometown because he's from there so I, I had a picture with him with the stanley cup when i was probably seven years old or eight that was that was pretty funny but uh yeah you know it's really funny too when you say that uh didn't watch a lot of nhl that was just a dream and then ironically when you make your national hockey league debut you do it at madison square garden against the new york rangers uh we talk about a dream coming true do you ever still now even though several years have gone by do you ever think about that moment in that first nhl game what a great story that is to to make your debut in that building. Yeah, yeah, that was, uh, it was probably the, one of the best moments in my life with the NHL draft. My mom was there, dad was there. Uh, it was, it was just, you know, you're just looking around everything. It's, it's crazy. And it's, it's once, once in life to play the, the first NHL game. And it was, I have some picture, my mom took some picture. That was their first time in, in New York too. So yeah, it was it was unbelievable. And you know, uh, when you look back, it was like, oh, okay, it was it was a good time. And then now I feel like 
okay, now I have to, to prove that I can be a top guy in the league. So, you know, things go pretty quick. You know, you want to be get drafted, then you are, then you want to play your first NHL game, then you play your first NHL game, and then you want to be like a top guy in NHL. So I, did, I didn't think I will be in NHL uh, when I was a kid. Like, like I said, that was too far away. Again, I watched some games, some highlights, you know, like the you know, crazy stuff when they do like between the legs and stuff, but I didn't watch the, you know, the real game. Well, it's uh, here you are. And we have watched you mature over the last couple of years and get better. You've said many times here, that you have a lot more to learn and it's exciting to, to know that and watch you and to watch you get better and, and more confident with every single shift. I got one more question for you. And that simply is this, you guys haven't played a game in almost two weeks. Um, is it going to be tough to get back on the ice? Do you, do you feel fresh? Is it going to be, uh, you know, what are you looking for in that first game? Are you going to be able to snap right back into where you were as a team at the end of it when it comes to your physical play? Oh, yeah. I think we're pro. Uh, and every team, every team being out, same, same as us. So I think there's no excuses. I mean, we have to be ready. We are pro. That's our job. And even if we didn't skate for 10 days, like uh, there is no one game, one game off or, you know, we have to get ready. We got a couple of practice, three or four practice before that game. So, I mean, there is no excuses and we just have to play, win the game at home and then uh, keep, keep rolling from that. Hey, Alex, we appreciate you doing this. And I just want to wrap this up with what would you do during the break? Like I know last year you had some, you know, during the COVID break, you had probably an opportunity to, to put together a home gym or something. But what did you do to train? Did you run? Did you do push-ups? What did you do? Because I know athletes yeah. don't just sit around. Yeah, we had some some program with the with the trainers, and I'm I'm lucky I have a pretty big gym in my building where I live. So we went there a couple of times. Uh, you know, we had like lower body, upper body uh, cardio. So you have to, you know, you know, ten days is pretty long. So if you don't do anything, you're gonna feel it on the ice. Yeah. But uh, yeah. Every day I did I did something like the the program and then uh, you just wanna you know on the ice it's always different so you just wanna get back on the ice you know running it's it's good but I, I'm not a big fan so <laughs> I just wanna get out there and then practice and play some games. Well, the fans are eager to get back. We're eager to get back, and I imagine you and your teammates can't wait to get back, right? Oh yeah, we're excited. Yeah. Alexander, thank you so much. We do appreciate it. Uh, again, it's been great to watch you. It's been great to see you really get hot in the last couple of weeks. And best of luck to you coming out of this break and getting your personal game right back where it was. Yeah, thank you. Thanks, guys. That is Blue Jackets forward Alexander Texier. He was one of the hottest Blue Jackets players leading into the COVID break right before the Christmas holiday. Hopefully he can come out on the other side playing exactly the same way. We'll wrap up this week's edition of the Inside Edge right after this on 97.1 The Fan. Getting ready to close out this week's edition of the Inside Edge. That was great talking with Alexander Texier. You know, Jody, when he first came here, he was more of a quiet guy, and he had kind of this um, – it wasn't cockiness. He, he walked that line very well between confidence and cockiness. I thought when he first got here and, and he was more of a quiet guy. And as you heard right there, 
he is um, he's much more loose and he is he's a happier guy. He's just a more comfortable guy with this team right now, isn't he? Yeah, you know, you know what, Bob? It just reminds you that everyone has a story. You know what I mean? And we meet a guy like that and we don't really look through his lens. But when you talk to him, you know, growing up in France, not hockey. I mean, I think to every young player that grows up in a rural area or a, or a country that doesn't have NHL players around, it is in another universe. It doesn't matter where you're at. Small town USA, small town Canada. It's it's. But you're right. You think about his story and not having access and, and what he said about the Stanley Cup uh, when UA brought it back. And, and um, you know, it was really cool. Uh, and, and I like what he uh, just because, you, you know, you, you're right. You see the player, you think he's confident, but then you think, wow, this guy left home at 17. And then he uh, goes to a country that he doesn't speak Finnish or English. And the coach, Sammy Kapitan, looks at him and says, you want to be an NHL player, you have to learn how to speak English. Uh-oh. I mean, th- he, he did mention he was shy. But think about how many times he went home to his mom and he, after practice and, and was like, I can't do this. And I know I did that when I was 18 in, in Quebec, uh, a couple hundred miles from my home, and, and everyone was speaking French, and I had no one to talk to. So, you know, he had, uh, as a uh, former coach of the Blue Jackets would say, got some skin on him over there. And, and I like that about Texier. And I think that that is something that uh, to hear his story, to relate to it and see how he persevered and made it to the NHL. Now he's played over a hundred games. Uh, you mentioned he's one of the best players on the team. You know, when you look at every individual on this team or anyone in the organization, there is a great story behind how they've made it to the top of, of uh, this sport. And it, it, uh, it really is fun to be able to talk to them and bring that out. Yeah, it is funny too when you know as we were talking about the the cockiness confidence thing, and and then you find out he tells you years later he goes, well, I was so far away from that, I never thought I'd make the NHL. So you know, find a way to navigate, and that, that's exactly what he has done. Hey, you mentioned earlier uh, the league returned to play last night, of course, with a couple of games. Um, you talked about the Montreal Tampa game. How about the San Jose uh, Arizona game last night that <laughs> finished? Eight to seven was the final yeah. score. Is this, is this what we're going to see coming out of this break? Well, I don't know, but Reimer looked to the heavens when he made the final save on the, on the shootout. And it was great. If you haven't seen it, you got to check it out because if you let in seven goals as a veteran goalie, I'm, I'm sure you're like, I can't make a save. I got to mix one in here. And he looks up and says, I made a save. Uh, so yeah, maybe Bob. And then I think we're all, everyone's fine with it, except the goaltenders and the coaches, I'd say, uh, if you can come on the winning side of it. And I bet Arizona was happy to get back in and get a point. Even. So wild game. Uh, I didn't stay up for that one, but I did see the highlights uh, earlier this morning and, and uh, yeah, why not? If, if that's, I'm, I'm happy with seeing goals. You? Yeah, absolutely. You're right. The goalies are the only ones that aren't happy with it. And, and the reason I say, is this is what we're going to see because we talked about this. Remember last year, when the season started in January and it had the, uh, the abbreviated camps and all that, the goalies, you know, they, they take pride in the time that it requires to get ready for a season. And they don't like long breaks. Skaters don't like breaks as you talked about earlier, but goalies, they really don't like about, they don't like those long breaks. No, there were some goals too, that were like along the ice, you know, quick little five hole shots or through pads but then there was the weird ones, right? When you get seven or eight goals, you do get the weird ones. <laughs> like the perfect arc as the goalie reaches up to 
he reaches his hand up. He thinks he's going to get the puck, but you can see in his eyes halfway through that, oh, oh no, it's going to go right over me and into the <laughs> crease area. And then, you know, that happened. And then, you know, um, you got players in the batting pucks out of the air. So it was just a strange night. I think all the players probably looked at each other over the center ice red line last night and kind of just kind of smile like, wow, that was fun. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, you know, that, that's fine. Fine with that, Bob. They have to adjust. Uh, with traffic and game-like situations, sure. Let's take a little adjustment period here. Yeah, I think when you take this much time off, I think there is a little bit of pond hockey involved when you come back. Uh, who doesn't love pond hockey, especially <laughs> now that the outdoor game is going to be happening out in Minnesota under the stars uh, at night. They finally move that to nighttime because of all the factors with the sun and the problems they've been getting. So, uh, yeah, let's have some pond hockey. I like where your head's at. Yeah, and uh, you know, speaking of that, the Blue Jackets will play on New Year's Day this year, and that's why they have a 1 o'clock game because the league wants the schedule cleared for that primetime game at night in Minnesota uh, outside the Winter Classic going to be played there at Target Field, the home of the Minnesota Twins this year. Um, as, you, as the league gets back, Jody, you know, there's some reports, and who knows what's going to happen here when it comes to all of the protocols. Of course, the CDC uh, just this week, took the uh, isolation time down from 10 days to five days. All the leagues are making adjustments. The NFL has just made a major adjustment. They're going to let asymptomatic players play. Uh, the NBA is talking about something very similar. And uh, ESPN was reporting last night that the National Hockey League and its Players Association are talking about something like that too. But of course, the wild card with the NHL is that the Canadian government is involved with you know, seven of the 32 teams being north of the border. It's going to be interesting to see how all that shakes out, isn't it? Yeah, and, and there's no way. I, I My personal opinion, and, and endorsed by some of the reports I've heard from the hockey insiders, it's, you know, they're not going to let an asymptomatic cro player cross the border to play hockey. That's just not, that's not what's going to happen in Canada. And um, hopefully they do take the quarantine time following the CDC guidelines down from 10 to 5. That would help a lot. That would be a major factor here. Uh, in, in everything that we're doing here in society with, with uh, shortening that. So, yeah, you know, the, it's not an X factor. It's the factor, I think. I think it's, it's a major factor with those seven teams in Canada and the Canadian government uh, with how the league can run. And it's a major hurdle for them to try to figure this out. And, you know, the empty buildings in Montreal now, uh, you know, that's 2.5 approximately to between 2 and 2.5 a million dollars from Toronto for their games and gate revenue and similar, just a little less than that for Montreal. And you're looking at that's big dollars when you add up those games and the players revenue and trying to get back whole with the league and get rid of their escrow, which they're still playing to the paying to the league. Uh, and it's all based on revenue. So you cannot waste you know, an empty building and play those games without that revenue. So um I, I think it's, it's, you know, it's too bad. I know a lot of players are concerned. They're not going to the Olympics now. Brad Marchand's been out and he's been very vocal about it. And, you know, I respect his opinion, but, you know, it doesn't make sense to go to China. Absolutely not at this time. Uh, but I see his point. And now I look at the February break and I think, boy, it's, it's a blessing to have that much time to adjust the schedule and then maybe get, go a little deeper in April to finish the 82 game season, which, you know, not only critical for the league and the importance of getting it done, but also a little bit of normalcy, Bob. Get back to a kind of a normal year would be tremendous to get this behind us now, this next six weeks or four weeks, whatever it is, and get back to normal life. Yeah, you're no doubt about that. As you said, 
in Canada, a lot of the games have been postponed through the middle of January because of the attendance, uh, uh, the, the limits that have been put on the attendance yeah, I mean, in those different Jets provinces. Have, yeah. Jets have 250 fans allowed, and Montreal has none. So, I mean, you know, yeah. they got to push that back. And then thankfully, the, the February break is allowing them to do it. Yeah, and the Blue Jackets game on January the 10th in Montreal has been postponed. So that was the sixth one that was put on the uh, the list. And they've, they'll have they make them all up somehow, some way, as Jody just said. They will figure it out. And, yeah, got to get back to some sense of normalcy here. We've been saying that for two years. <laughs> well, we had it at the beginning of the year a little bit, and now we're back. But let's say this is a pause in normalcy for as far as how we're traveling and the testing and how the players are doing. And get through this, and, you know, our, our fingers are crossed that this is will be in the rearview mirror. But who knows? Yes, who knows? that? And, and as you said earlier, it's all about adjustments. That's what everybody's been doing. And the NHL and the Players Union will continue to do just that. We'd like to thank Alexander Texier for being our guest tonight. Thanks to you for being with us as well. That'll do it for this week's edition of the Inside Edge. For Jody Shelley, I'm Bob McElligot saying so long. And thanks for listening to 97.1 The Fan.